You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't, I don't think it's significant changes, and um, you know this this season um, I feel like has been a success. Uh, but you know our goal is, like I said, was to make the playoffs. But the expectations change now, um, and we want more now. But the great thing about it is, with this roster, is I don't think this roster has has hit its ceiling. We didn't we didn't hit our ceiling to get to this point to achieve our goal. There's still so much room to grow. Um, so so no, I, yeah, I think there there is there is the core foundation here for us to work with. Interesting. When when that was such a Gupta Dex. When was that? Was that, that was, like uh, for the postseason sort of recap? Yeah, I believe that deal? was a, a week ago, last Tuesday, last okay. Monday. Yeah, and of course, like they're making some changes to the front office, and he's he's the leader of the front office. They might make some changes, but um, do you guys know? I know Declan. Declan and I talked about this on Slack, so I'll quiz Judd here. Do you know what today is, Judd? As far as significance in Minnesota sports, or like give, give me a well, it's significance. It's usually very significant for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh yes, yeah, it's Ping Pong Day. Today's today is draft the NBA lottery. draft lottery, ping pong. and they're not in it. I swear to God, like I woke up this morning. And I was just scrolling through Twitter, you know, just trying to shake off the cobwebs. And I saw yep. some different, I follow some different NBA writers in some loser cities, you know, those loser teams that <laughs> what a- can't finish above 500, make the playoffs. Like, wow, this is, this is the second time. Now, maybe I'm wrong on this. There might have been some years where they, they were in the draft lottery or they were out of the draft lottery despite being bad or something. But like, this is the second time in almost 20 years that this hasn't been a day where we, have our full attention and celebrate. Oh my God, you know, they got the number pick. How does it feel to not care about the NBA draft lottery? It feels like this. It's a weight off the shoulders of Wolves fans because they figured something would go wrong. They'd get, they'd (laughs) fall back. They'd get screwed. Like, I mean, occasionally, yeah, they got the top pick, but for the most part, I would say that it's a day that Wolves fans and probably as a whole Minnesota sports fans are saved from the angst that usually befalls them on this day. Yeah. Cause you're literally, you know, however many times over the last 18 years, right? Cause 2000, 2004 was the, and they might've still been paying the Joe Smith tax. I know they had drafted Indy EB at that point. So they were, oh. they were done with the, the Joe Smith tax, but like pretty much every year you're crossing your fingers and hoping that you can get super lucky and draft a player that can change your franchise because you're not going to sign a player that's going to change your franchise. And it has happened a couple times. Yes, it has. You know, I mean, not I mean, for Carl a long time, though. Carl for, it, it, it took forever. Yeah, Anthony Edwards. I mean, don't don't forget, it was it was the Shaq draft at which I think we first all said, oh, my God, this is never going to work well for us. It was. So, it, but this, I think, yeah, well, that was, was it Shaq, Christian Leitner? Leitner, yes. Yeah. And then uh, Alonzo Mourning, didn't Alonzo yeah. Mourning? Yeah, and uh, they lost out on Kyrie as well. 
Yeah, well. Did they? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. No, yeah, but did they? Yeah, they did, but I'm okay with yeah. that one. The Shaq one hurt because you would have at least had him for the first part of his first few years. Well, you would have him for four years, and then he would have gone yeah, to Los, four years found of Shaq, Los Angeles. But yeah. it's four years of Shaq. Yeah. I would have taken that. So I just I just wanted to bring that up at the start of the show today. Mackie yeah. and Judd, daily Minnesota Happy sports entertainment therapy. Day. It's a weird, somewhat fulfilling day to not give a rip about the NBA draft lottery tonight. And I've been thinking about something else here with the with the conference finals on the horizon. You can find those on 1500 ESPN radio, by the way, the Eastern and Western conference finals in the twin cities. If you're wondering whether the wolves have arrived or to what, like to what extent have they become relevant, right? And it's one thing to, all right, finally, we don't care about the draft lottery, but when you start to survey the landscape here, it's amazing how much work they still have to do. And I actually, I don't say that in like a demeaning way. I think this is great. Now they're on the path. Like Gupta was saying, Okay, we achieved our goal. This was a successful season, but now we want more. And you start to look around at what do what do other people think about the Timberwolves? And we didn't talk about this last week. Chris Finch only received out of a hundred voters three I'm sorry, four third place votes for NBA Coach of the Year. So he got and he finished like an eighth or ninth in the NBA Coach of the Year wow. voting. I was surprised. He basically was ignored and and Gupta didn't get a ton but he did get one first place vote so like he got a first place vote and Chris Finch who yeah. I thought did a really damn good job didn't get one first place vote yeah so so you got I think we all thought he's probably not going to win it but man the over under was like 34 and a half and this team won what was it 45 46 games or something and then you know we we had a good time talking about and Pat Bev is on ESPN doing the car wash again this morning I wonder how that went down hey can we do it can we, He's not going to leave Bristol. They're not going to let him leave without I think a contract. He'd, be, he'd honestly be better on TNT because I think ESPN, it, it feels like ESPN is a little about, he's oh, what they God, need. You know? But he's I exactly agree. what they need. Like, if they're smart, they'll, they'll be like, Pat Bev, retire right now. Yeah. We but at some point, they're going to need to replace, like, like Chuck's going to retire at some point. So I could see in five years another yeah. iteration of the, it could be Dwayne Wade, Draymond Green, and, like, Pat Beverly or something on TNT. Can you imagine if Pat Bev replaced... Kenny, and so Smith. So it's so it's uh, Shaq, Barkley for like a few years left, and Pat Bev. Oh my gosh! I mean, Kenny's like the Kenny's kind of the centering yes, compass, he's the, right? He's same the same okay, one. I'm going to be more of a straight man. But the point I was going to make is Pat Bev is now on day two of his ESPN car wash. He was on Get Up. He was on ESPN Radio. He was on First Take debating Stephen A. Smith. And I, I probably watched like four hours of it just in the background yesterday. I think he was asked precisely zero questions about his current team, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And that's fine. Like, I don't, you know, as far as a national audience, they don't really, they're not, they don't care about the Timberwolves. So, so as, as far as they have come, which, listen, for this franchise to not care about the draft lottery is a long journey. Right. <laughs> But then when you look out on the horizon and you see, oh, like the rest of the league and voters really don't even pay attention to the job that Chris Finch did. He's eighth or ninth in voting, got zero first, second place votes. Yep. And Pat Bev is is on national TV for hours and hours, and they're asking him about everything except the Minnesota Timberwolves during his car wash appearance. Yep. I just think it's an interesting uh, interesting journey that the Timberwolves on to regain relevance. So I'm going to drop 
a nugget of Wolves information that we got on the bonus scoop uh, from Dugues today, which obviously will be posted at all the places that you find your Score North things. And I'm going to drop this on you because I want to know what you think because it, it oh. advances what you're saying mm-hmm. uh, potentially a lot. Um, it sounds like Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez, when it comes to Pobos, want to go big game hunting. Yeah. And Duke said, this is not like Elton Brand. This is not like, hey, we'd like to get the number two from the Sixers. Doogie flat out said he has steam that the Wolves are going after Pobo, two Western Conference current Pobos, and one in the East, and I think it's Masai Ujiri. Well, Masai Ujiri was highly coveted, almost Correct. left Toronto, didn't he, a couple years ago? And didn't we talk about, I want to say Doogie dropped his name back in the Gerson days before Gerson got the job. But the point is this, the Wolves seem to be on to a good thing, Um as Dukes has said, week after week during his appearances, there is a harmony at Target Center, which we have not seen previously for a long time. And it sounds like the, it sounds like Mark and Arod, if they get their way, uh, would like um, Sachan to stay as the two, which I don't think he would, but would also like to make a splash higher as far as the Pobo goes. So how would that? What What are your thoughts, and how would that change? Like, do you like that because? We've seen so much dysfunction here. Reckless speculation. That I guess I'm a little bit hesitant to say it's a good idea to shake it up again. Go get Pat Riley. Go get Pat Riley. Come on. God, can Let's you imagine? A Rock, I mean, can be a blast. Okay, I'll, get, I'll get season tickets if that happens. Jerry go get West. Jerry West. How old is miserable. Jerry West? No, Jerry West is going to be caught up in a lawsuit with the HBO. It's no, I know he will, but he could run your basketball team while he's doing it. Turn out to be good at that. Jerry West is 83 years old. Right, go get Jerry West, baby. What's Pat Riley's got to be 75. Let's see here. Oh, God. He's 77. Yeah. You know, my wife just bought me. So we we watch Winning Time, the HBO documentary. And. I found out that Pat Riley wrote a best-selling New York Times best-selling book back like 30 years ago called The Art of Winning or whatever it is. And she bought that for me for an early birthday gift this month. I'm 20 pages into Pat Riley's book. Nice. The blast. Um, I love the idea of big game hunting. I think sometimes it's really easy to because Sachin Gupta, he will be a pobo at some point. It sounds like, and he and and just I. I spent 20 minutes around him and that was enough for me to he's a great guy just from from everything everyone says extremely intelligent but he's never done this before he's never he's never led this is where we have to sort of separate the last 20 years of Timberwolves basketball the the lottery from where they want to go and Sachin talked about it in that clip off the top of the show if where you want to go is the games that start tonight and tomorrow, which is Eastern Conference, Western Conference Finals, leading to the NBA Finals, it's a roll of the dice to just put the keys in Suchin's hands. I mean, it is. He's never done this before. So if I think it's smart of them. I don't know what their list looks like, but if 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 Masai Ujiri is on their list and he helped craft that wonderful Toronto Raptors championship run of course if Kevin Durant doesn't blow his Achilles in the middle of the NBA finals I'm guessing that the the Warriors probably continue on with their dynasty but but like start with a list of three or four guys like that get turned down and then if you come back to Sachin Gupta I'm okay with it I'm not okay with just giving him the keys I think I think it should be a I love it I think it should be a full-on search for the best potential options in the world that might be available now, money's going to talk here because you're going to have to pay a Timberwolves tax. 
whatever Masai Ujiri or you know pick your other candidates are making at their current places, it's going to be a lot more to come to this franchise with almost no meaningful history going back 30 years, right? What do you guys think? I think it's intriguing. I like what they're built building here. Um, I guess I have questions about it too. Like, first of all, because Gupta, to his credit, possibly made no moves. I have no idea. Like, it's not like he took Gerson's team and said, okay, here's what we need. We got to shake this up and shake that up. Uh, he basically took Gerson's team and said, yeah, okay. Uh, if, if he talked trade, he certainly didn't culminate trades. Okay, that's sort of a strike because you just don't know now. But what I like was was I like the fact that it feels like there's a good working relationship between the coach and potential Pobo. Chris Finch clearly likes Sachan. Is that a reason to keep Gupta? Probably not. Uh, but it certainly has to be factored in. But here's what I lo- here's what I would love to know because this sounds like it's being driven entirely by by Laurie and Arod is, like, what is the goal here? Like, what do you want to do as far as big game hunting? What do you what do you see for this team? Um, and I, I asked Dukes this, too. I said, would they be willing to pay, essentially, what you called, Phil, a Timberwolves tax? Because I don't see Glenn saying, oh, yeah, you know what, Masai, Ujir, oh, yeah, I'd Glenn's love to gonna... pay him and give him a piece of, of the no. team of a stake. He's not going to do that. So I guess the question comes back to those two to say, one, I'm guessing that, that you have to prove that you have the finances to buy this team, although Dukes mm-hmm. brought that into question last week. But two is, do you have like the secondary bank account now to pay uh, a potential Pobo who is going to cost a ton? So I think it's a really interesting conversation. Okay, yeah, you brought some good stuff up here. So let's start with the finances thing real quick here. I, I'm not buying that. First of all, Forget about, like, I know we're looking at this in a vacuum, but does Alex Rodriguez plus Mark Lowry have enough in liquid to buy the Timberwolves? Can they right. sell off enough assets or whatever it is? I look at it a little bit differently and say Mark Lowry in particular has been resourceful enough to launch two companies that have sold for billions of dollars to Walmart and Amazon, resourceful enough to put together groups of investors and bring people together and hire the right people. If they need to bring two or three other people on board, hey, we're excited about this. Got my first taste of NBA basketball sitting courtside taking my shoes off. If they need to find a third person to bring in with money, they will. So I and I'm not questioning Doogie's reporting by any means. I'm just saying I don't think Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie are gonna come up short with like, oh, we, oh man, we have nothing left in our pockets. They'll they'll right. find a way. To yep. your second point about the Timberwolves tax and big game hunting. Glenn Taylor is such a small thinker. You know, Glenn Taylor's owned this team since, what, 1994, 1995? And 20 years into his ownership, he's still, when it comes to, oh, we fired the seventh person, who's the eighth, and he just kind of shrugs his shoulders, oh, I'll talk to David Stern, or I'll talk to Adam Silver, and I don't know. Like, he he hired David Kahn a decade and a half into being a plugged-in NBA owner because he had no idea where to even start with networking. So he like he lives in this little wherever and well he lives in Naples for part of the year, but then he lives in Mankato and he just he lives kind of a small town life for a billionaire. He's not a connector in the way that Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez are. So I think if if Glenn Taylor is calling the shots to any extent until he gives up majority ownership, it's going to be hard for me to say that 
this would be a Glenn. I mean, Glenn Taylor would have to fully concede this entire search to Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez is what I'm saying. And I I think the one piece of, of evidence that we have that there might be, and this goes well beyond that, that there might be that possibility though, is it sounds like, Lori and A-Rod drove the Finch extension completely. And Finch, it turns out, according to Dukes, had like a, a year left. So that was not a, oh, my God, we've got to extend him now. That was more of a let's do this. It's smart. But since Glenn conceded that and allowed that to happen, I think it at least opens the door for them yeah. to to begin making more decisions. And uh, to go back to the financial question, too, keep in mind, Doogie was only, was told by a source I'm curious about this. So, like, we have no – there's nothing reported out, out there that they don't have it. Um, I would imagine that when you're going to buy a team, you, you've got to show at least some type of proof of cash, right? Like, it, it can't be uh, Phil, Judd, and Dex go, go down to Glenn and say, hey, we'd like to buy the – oh, yeah, cool, well, okay, sign these documents. Yeah. So you've so you got to show finances. Well, the, yeah, there's, and then there's a huge difference between, hey, the company that I own – is is uh you know valued at two billion dollars well that doesn't, that doesn't mean you have two billion dollars to then just transfer into a timberwolves purchase you have to have right. some sort of liquidity but to you're your showing that net worth. And, and just to be clear though dukes was only told by a person in the league he was curious about this yeah so yeah i don't think that's a concern until it's a concern like until it's actually brought up as a legit concern um i do think this the sooner that mark and a rod are allowed to start calling the shots even if they screw up the better because the previous guy obviously is not good at calling the shots yeah so like i absolutely. i'd rather take i'd rather roll the dice right now and say okay you guys not sure about this but i'll take my chances as opposed to glenn who i guarantee you would hire sachan gupta tomorrow for five bucks and the problem is as dukes has said again a year and a half ago glenn taylor didn't know who Sacha Gupta was. Yep. What can the Timberwolves learn from the final four playoff teams? I got a few things. If you're if you're in the Timberwolves front office, coaching staff, even if you're a fan, just like have your little Judd Zolgad notepad and paper next to you, taking notes on how the Timberwolves can improve. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. Plus, we got to get to later on in the show Judd Zolgad and his battle against the Twins blogosphere, which is going to be <laughs> hilarious to watch play out. Uh, but we have discovered here on the show the best and easiest way to get a sweat on tonight's games or tomorrow's games or maybe the football season. It's a little place we like to call Aspen. No, I'm just kidding. It's a underdog fantasy and the underdog fantasy app. So I'm on the Pick'ems tab right now, boys. I know you guys have dabbled in this here as well. So uh, you can pick over-unders on your favorite or least favorite player stats, get a sweat on the games tonight, and win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it very simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps for season-long drafts. You don't have to worry about waiver pickups or trades. You draft a team. Underdog will set your lineup based on the highest-scoring players. The lowest-scoring players or the guys who are injured just sit on your bench it's glorious. That's for the season-long football games. Promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash. So easy, Judd can do it. That's right. Let's just say this. The Wild might be done in the playoffs, 
but Judd's not. Oh. <laughs> underdog <laughs> is where Judd and it's... Declan will be getting their hockey sweat on. Thank you, Underdog. And PGA Championships this weekend, boys. Oh. Love me some major golf. Oh, there is oh, not Jack. another Let's better event baby. I like to get a sweat on than a good PGA you Tour event. see this who's been true. playing practice rounds. You see who's been playing practice rounds. El Tigre. Yeah. And you know, Phil, Phil has disappeared. Well, Phil, I think Phil has withdrawn from... The public, the public spotlight, which is probably for the best. Um, also, a shout out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been around for over 100 years, providing top line and frontline protection, risk management tools and resources for businesses. They've also been a longtime partner of the Timberwolves. So we've all been grinding through it together with this basketball team. You can find a full list of industries Federated protects at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right. So, uh, some really interesting matchups, Eastern Western Conference Finals. What can the Timberwolves learn from these teams? What do these teams do? Now, some of the things are not replicable, right? Like Luca. Maybe at some point Anthony I Edwards can be a Luca, but like, yeah, he I drops thirty points in the first yeah. half of a game seven. Yeah. So Tough to replicate. To Let's start with the Warriors, okay? And you guys tell me what you think about these things. Are they attainable? Is it realistic? So you can't replicate their historic shooting. The Splash Brothers, like, you just, Anthony Edwards is becoming a pretty good shooter, but, like, he's not Steph Curry. But I think what you can replicate, ideally, is the Warriors' ability to just flush a bad performance like a closer in baseball. They got beat, I think they were down by 50 points at one point. They were. To the Grizz. Was that game five? It's game five, I think. Game four or so. five. They were dancing during timeouts. They were so bored and getting beat so bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, they were, now oh, we're getting our asses kicked. Whatever. Right. We're still the Warriors. Probably come back and win the next game. <laughs> right. And I think the Timberwolves, because they haven't built up the reference points by any means that the Warriors have built up, you know, they blow that 26-point lead in the first half of game three, and then they build it back up, blow the 25-point lead. And that thought sticks with them the rest of the series. And for Memphis, I, I think Memphis was pretty confident against the Warriors, too. But Memphis can kind of sense, oh, if we can just kind of be within 10 or 15 late in the game, we're fine. Because these guys don't know what they're doing. They're going to freak out at the officials. They they carried it over, and they played tentatively and differently. And they got away from taking good shots in the fourth quarter. So the Warriors, huh, we're down by 50. Whatever. We'll just come back and do our thing in the next game. Flush it. Yeah, that's probably not near the point yet of like, yeah, the Wolves can, can I mean, and, and I saw tweets. Can you imagine if Cat was dancing down by 50? It's like it, it, Draymond Green, first yeah. of all, is his own guy. Second of all, the Warriors knew they were going to win that series. Yeah, like, it's a little different when you've like got you, multiple championship cred behind you. Exactly. You can, you can get away with a lot of thing when you got rings. So, again, you can't copy the Warriors shooting. The Warriors are actually one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, too. They're able to, they have just a lot of versatility. They can switch more with, with more of their personnel. Right. The other three teams, I actually, I actually lumped the Celtics, Mavs, and Heat in a couple similar bins here, and that you're not going to be able to replicate having a Luka or the, the, what Jason Tatum has turned into again. You hope that Anthony Edwards can become one of these guys in his own way at some point. Absolutely. But what you can potentially replicate, and maybe maybe a couple personnel tweaks here would help this offseason, defensive clamps. So these three teams, when you watch them in these playoffs, Celtics, Mavs, and Heat, it's just 48 minutes of swarming defensive energy and toughness 
How about this stat? In a league where it's the first team to 120 points in almost every regular season game, right? Mm -hmm. The Celtics, Mavs, and Heat have combined in these playoffs to hold their opponents under 100 points 16 times. And I think four or five of those under 90 points in today's NBA. This is the place where I think that there is a similarity that can be drawn between hockey and basketball playoffs, right? Because what you're talking about takes talent, but it also takes really hard work, and it's probably no fun. Like that, That's what I keep coming back to. I think the problem is playoff games are fun to, to watch, and I think people think, oh, that looks like great fun, right? But go back to that stat. You think that's fun playing swar- – like it's fun if it works, and it's fun when you win. But my point is it's a lot of hard, hard work by talented players. Um, but that's where uh, – to get back to the reference point thing. That's where I think you need the reference point of what it takes to win those games and Mm -hmm. do what you just said, which is not a high-flying, oh, man, look at this team offensively. It's putting clamps on. That's a reference point. And you need need some of both. But when you think back to some of these games, how many many different possessions, you know, out of 100 possessions or whatever, eight or nine, maybe 12, where there's a Timberwolves player flailing his arms at an official while – a five-on-four yep. happens the other way, wide open three in the corner, and you're thinking, oh, it's middle of the second quarter, whatever. That three cut it to six, or that three puts the Grizzlies up by four. You'll overcome that. Right. But if that happens and a guy gets an open shot nine times, makes five or six of them because you weren't locked in on defense, that's how you lose. That's how you lose a series. That's how you blow double-digit leads in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. right? That's how you blow a 26-point lead because you think the game's over? Absolutely. These teams are clamping. And then, again, I'll put Celtics, Mavs, and Heat. You can put the Warriors in that clamping bin, too. I just They're just a different. It's hard to even use them as a comparison. But another thing for the Celtics, Mavs, and Heat, they have gone all in on the dominant wing player. And they've built their entire strategy and organization around empowering the dominant wing player. So Jason Tatum, Luka, Jimmy Butler in Miami, it's not about a point guard, you know, Chris Paul. And Devin Booker doesn't create his own offense. He's great, but he, he's not Luka great or Jason Tatum great. Right. Chris Paul, 2-0 blown leads both of the last couple of years. You can just kind of, he's a little getting a little older. You can kind of figure him out after a couple of games. Um, you know, Bam Adebayo is a unicorn big man who can do a lot of things for Miami. They kind of took, Philly kind of took him out of the series. But you're not going to take the dominant wing player out of a series. You can't just take Jason Tatum or Luka or Jimmy Butler out of a series. And if Anthony... Listen, Cat got taken out of the series three times. Some of it was his own doing. Yep. But if I think the fully realized version of Anthony Edwards, you can't just take him out of a series. He's going to yep. get what he wants. And that's what the focus should be on if you want to replicate some of these other blueprints. I also think that the Wolves, it's it's imperative that if it's Sachan or somebody else, the other thing I really think they have to do is go get a credible big man to allow to allow Cat to roam. Cat's got to roam more. Like you've got to create a you've got you've got to create a situation for him where I don't think he feels beholden to be in a certain place and th- and thus throw the defense more curveballs, right? Uh, but yes, Ant is the key here. Like I, I think Ant is the key on a lot of levels, starting with the fact that Ant is ultimately, and it's taken place, but he is the heartbeat of this team too. 
Like, he's the guy who's going to get hot. He's the guy who's going to lead. He's the guy who's going to be your captain. Um, when Ant or when Cat's going well, it's marvelous. But there is no question that the emotional heartbeat of this team is Ant. He is. But I do want to see Cat be able to do more. And I do, and it can't be Nas Reed, okay? I, Nas is great. Seems like a great guy. But I think you need a credible big man who can allow Cat to do more. Yeah, Nas, if your goal is to make the playoffs after, you know, if your goal is to go from 25 wins to 40 wins, you need the guys like Nas Reed. Absolutely. If your goal is to go from 40, 45 wins to 50, 55 wins, those are the tough decisions you might have to start to make. That maybe, mm-hmm. maybe Nas goes from being your third guy off the bench to being your fifth or sixth guy off the bench who doesn't play on a lot of nights. And he might not be here. Or that too, but, you know. I he's a good player, yeah. Right, and and he, he can shoot and stuff. But yeah, you, you should be you should be examining all these different spots. But then you watch these games get they get locked down, and it's it just becomes kind of a street fight, right? And who's getting their shots off? It's the dominant wing player. It's right. not you're not you're not you're not relying on Bam to get a shot off. You're not. It's it's hard guy. for Cat to get shots off in some of these games. And they've got you know? that guy. Yep. So yeah. So that, that's the battle, really, to find to find him and ants ants that guy and ant wants that too. That's the other thing. He wants that heat. He wants yeah, that wants, smoke. He wants the Suns, is what he wants. He wanted the Suns. Yeah, that's. I still not a big <laughs> fan of that. You should calm down a little bit on that stuff. I Just, mean, you know, win a playoff series and then <laughs> you blew a combined fifty-one point lead in one game. Okay. Yeah, pump the brakes a little bit on. Let's that. not be doing that. All right, Mackie and Judd, we're going to collect ourselves for a moment here, and uh, we got a pecking order later in the show. So hang tight. All right, so uh, let's recap the last 24 to 48 hours in Score North slash Twins land here. So, so Judd, you go into the Twins clubhouse and ask some very, I would say, fair and representative questions on behalf of thousands of fans who want to know, why is Byron Buxton not playing very often? Why, why has he missed almost half well, the game's... To be fair, I believe that question was asked in pregame on Sunday of Rocco at first before I was there. What what I did was then Buxton had a, a nice game on Sunday, was made available. He also crashed into said fence. Mm-hmm. So um, I asked Baldelli about, you know, what was going through your mind when Byron crashed into the fence. And he gave a pretty elaborate answer. Then in the locker room or clubhouse, I asked Buxton, how did it feel on Saturday when you weren't able to play or you know because they they showed him on Bally sitting in the dugout or standing on the top rail and that's when he broached the 100 game thing so like that was my role but I was trying to find out because I really do believe that this is a primary story I mean it's like when absolutely didn't get vaxxed it's it's no no matter how you feel about being vaxxed or not um, you are, it's my opinion in situations like that, that you are there to represent the fans who want to know. Yes. Like, like it might rub the player or, or the guy the wrong way. Uh, but there just comes a point in time where it doesn't matter. And just quickly, Phil, this goes back to my thing with Childress. When Moss was, was released at the Monday press conference, Bob Sansevier flat out asked Brad, after, after, by the way, he had told the team that Moss had been let go, Bob, God bless him, said, did you release him? Because it was, it was very weird. And Brad's like, no, I have not, no, we didn't. 
Well, he did. So on Wednesday, I, I asked Brad, and I said, Brad, I said, I don't care about us in our business here, but you basically lied to the entire fan base, mm-hmm. um, and you perpetrated a lie. I, I, there was, you had caught him. All you had to say was, yes, he's gone. Um, and I said, you know, there needs to be an explanation here. Like, you can't just walk away being like, well, that's my right. I mean, people care about your team. So I always go back to that, like, I don't like to be a jerk, but at some point in time, somebody has to ask, somebody has to, it's not, I don't like the the term accountability because there's no accountability, but somebody just has to ask the question because fans are like, what's happening? What's happening? Exactly right. So that's the story. I I certainly did not consider any of this to be controversial. No. Well, and and it's, it's it's, 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 it's not, but it's also weird that. Listen, this is this is a franchise, and we'll get into some of the the, the Korea quotes and you know, you Twins blogger sites are calling Judd names and and stuff. But you know the 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 best player in baseball for my money. I think he's the, I think Byron Buxton's the best player in baseball, and I've been saying that for two years. I think he's showing you when he's on the field this year. Another RBI last night. Like the guy is ridiculous, and he is just sort of vaguely not on the injured list, but only playing one out of every three days or whatever it is, and. To this point, all we've kind of heard is, well, he's got kind of a little hip and a, and a knee, and people are going to games on a Saturday night, 23,000 people. You know, Declan's a season ticket holder. Pe- people want to know what's happening. Yeah. So this this doesn't have to be some big interrogation, but if the Twins aren't offering all the information or being forthright, reminds me of what happened with Joe Maurer 10 years ago. Yep. Questions should be asked. And, and so I... I'm glad that the twins were more open about it on Sunday. It does sound like this is more of a, you know, the word chronic is now being sort of tossed around, not by the twins necessarily, but it just feels like, all right, it's, it's not like a, a torn ligament or the a sprain. It's just he chronically gets today. Random so. inflammation is not a good sign. <laughs> random inflammation. Correct. So, so this is the new reality. This is what it is, what it is. And I think the fact that the twins cleared things up and explained things is good, but they don't clear things up and explain things unless they are asked questions about it. And so I'm glad that you did. Not that other people aren't asking questions, but anyways, you go into the clubhouse, you ask questions about the approach of a franchise that has the longest postseason losing streak in North American team sports history. This is not a franchise that just deserves to be worshipped and just bow down to everything they do. They are always correct. How dare you question anything? Like, this is a franchise that deserves to be questioned in a lot of different areas. Mm-hmm. Carlos Correa comes out and says, and he has to defend his guy. I get it. He says, uh, the people criticizing this decision to rest Buxton probably don't know the game of baseball. If you've got crap to talk about our best player, one of the best players in the game, then you don't know what you're doing. Then there's a Twins blogger site that linked to Judd's article and called you a hater and and called you and Score North desperate for attention. Yeah. Um just for fun here. I'll read you a couple more here just for just for fun's sake here. Uh let's see here. Score North is the worst. They do the hot take thing with all the local teams. Shock jocks trying to push buttons. Fans deserve better from Mike on Twitter. It's just a sampling of the reaction to the article that you wrote on scorenorth.com. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on being a bad guy when it comes to questioning the twins' approach and lack of transparency up until this point in regards to Byron Buxton? 
my thoughts are this. First of all, I think we have to take it on a case-by-case basis of who's criticizing us, for instance. Um, Twins Daily, which is the site that you're talking about, is in a very different role than us. Um, they are they thrive off of the fact, and by the way, good for them, that they don't use access. So they're not in clubhouses. They're not in press boxes. Uh, they don't have to be concerned about anything. Like they just have to be, they, they are basically a group of hardcore and some of them are really good. So I, this is not, this is not me trying to crap on them. They are hardcore fans who love the twins and have opinions. Um, but it's a different world. And, and I mean, exhibit A, exhibit A of what I'm saying. Aaron Gleeman, well-respected guy, right? A lot of Twins fans love him. And for a long time, he thrived without access. He didn't want it. And and he was able to do what they do now um, at Twins Daily. That being said, he, he is now at The Athletic, a respected source of information, but a place where if you are going to do your job, you have to have access. And I think his his viewpoint of things would be very different. Um, that doesn't mean he's changed completely, but he's now a guy who has to go to the clubhouse. He's now a guy who has to see pe- people. And look, shock jocks would be in the clubhouse, and they exist. And I'm going to tell you right now, the New York Post, God bless them, magnificent at, at this. But they're in the clubhouse every day looking to stir things up. Um, I sort of like that. But you know what? We don't do that. And so I think that this is, if this, so if the criticism that, I'm getting today had come from legitimate beat people. I'd be like a little bit more taken aback if that's the right term, but we're literally talking about a fan website that, that uses the access of the beat people to formulate their opinions. And when they don't like them rips them, which again, I want to be very clear here. I think the media and I think the websites and blogs today are more fun than I've ever had in my career, okay? So I don't want them to go away. I love this stuff. I thrive off this stuff. I'm 52 and I feel 22. This is great. But that being said, you also have to sort out the reality of things. And if somebody's going to say they don't like what I do, um, especially like with this, I'm going to, to say this, you have no idea what we do. Like you do a, you do a blog, which is awesome. Again, you should, I think it's great. And a lot of good people, I mean, twins, insincere, daily, Judd. insincere, no, Judd. no, it's not insincere. No, no, no. I'm dead serious because <laughs> twins daily has some people who are really good at what they do, but it's not what I do. Um, and so, you know, if you don't like it, that's fine. I would say this. You might want to understand what you're criticizing a bit more sometimes, but even then, I don't care. I don't care. But this, yeah, I, so there's a big difference between uh, the Star Tribune saying Score North sucks and you guys have no idea what you're doing and you hate um, than there is what is basically a fan blog, which does, a, which does a good job and has a lot of people that like it, and that's good, and I would never say that people shouldn't like it. I but feel I mean, a little. I feel a little guilty. Thing, we see the same thing. I think I feel a little guilty and responsible here because it was about ten years ago that I went on a rant. I think I I think it was Twitter. I I don't remember if I posted an article. Or I think it was just Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling I was covering spring training, and I'll never forget. I just I, I there there were some 
Twins bloggers that took issue with the coverage of the team in spring training or the tone. They wanted something. I, I, if I remember right, the beat writers weren't criticizing something as much as maybe they should, but there was reasons for it because, you know, when you're around the team, you get information. Right. Maybe for some people, it's also harder to criticize the team when you're around the team because you build those relationships. But there was some sort of rift between why aren't you guys holding the team more accountable? And I remember just like lashing out on Twitter and ripping twins bloggers, basically saying, if you want access, like you can come down here and you can do your own reporting. But it's hard when you have no accountability. You know, if you, if you say something wrong and I and, and so I remember there was a headline in City Pages that was Phil Mackey blast no accountability twins bloggers. And it was like me with a backwards hat, scowl face, you know, and it's just right. honk. It's just, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I think ever since then, there's been a little bit of a rift between some of the twins bloggers. This is so stupid, right? It's, we're right. Talk, literally talking about like a dumb niche of a niche uh, feud, if you will. Right. But I think you get dragged into some of that too. They, some of them hate score because they hate me and now they hate you by association. And we're all just negative shock jocks that are trying to, stir the pot here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just to come to your, and we, I, I don't even think we fully see the Buxton thing. I, I'm actually more okay, I think, with the Twins approach than you are. We both would like to see him in some of these high leverage situations. I don't like the fact that they hit it. I agree with that. No, but no, look, if this is chronic, I, I think what people are missing from my viewpoint is this. If, if this is what they have to do, it's a massive problem. It is a race against the contract, but it's a it, but it's a reality, hundred percent. But it still be worth saying, the contract, even playing a hundred to one hundred twenty games, I, which is now. Now, would I like to see him pinch hit and get loose? Yes, I would. Uh, but but if this is as chronic as we now think, sound the damn alarm! Like it is a huge problem. There's no question about that. Yeah, I think we I think we need to see the season play out now. I think we need sure. to see, okay, so he's not a 150 games guy, which is what we kind of hoped for a long time and that you know, that faded after a couple of years. Yeah. But okay, if he's 100 100 I have a price. I have a problem with 100. 100 is not enough games. Yeah. But 115, 120, can we can we creep closer to 75% of the games? You know, yeah. I'm splitting hairs there cuz now we're probably talking about an extra win or something. And if he but, gets hurt in like game 102, are we like, oh, see, you shouldn't have played him in game 102. Yep. So I don't know. I just uh, keep keep being you, Zolgad. Yeah. I, I mean, the Vikings thing you. is worse than this. Like like the Vikings have a, a core fit fan base that's led by some in our business that are very big on don't question things. You know, they're going to win 16 games. Everything is fine. You shouldn't question things. You know, we just... I feel, I guess the thing I don't like is this, and, and this is why our viewers to me and and listeners are so great. I don't like how this influences young fans to be like, I'm a bad fan if I question it. Like, that's yeah, what yeah. I don't like. But, but, I, but in defense of, I think the youth of today is far smarter than my age group was, you know, because mine was the 98 Vikings, right? Randy Moss, they can do no wrong. So I do feel like the people that call into Vikings vent line, wild vent line have all been at least the young ones, very realistic. And I love that, but I don't, but I don't like calling people, uh, bad guys or bad fans or, Hater, or haters hater. because they question the team. That's like that's just flat out wrong. I would say, and then I'll shut up and throw it to Declan here to jump in. 
if you think poking holes in your favorite team because you would you would prefer them to be better. And, and in this case, it's, it's weird because in the micro, the Twins are actually off to a great start to the season. I think all yeah. of us would take a 21-15 and 15 start to the season. 100%. The, the macro is this is an organization that, even with the current regime, literally can't win a playoff game. And they've had this, the, just, this, this weird cloud hanging over the organization that I don't think is just a coincidence. I think it stems from weird, uncurious, passive ownership, all the way down to front office, and there's just a weird permeation. And so, and, and, and you know, we talk about the Vikings every day on Purple Daily. If your path as a fan is to just never question anything and call people haters for questioning things, that that seems a little off. I don't know that that's the right way to go about it. Grow up. I mean, be be whatever kind of fan you want to, but like, don't call people bad fans. Right. Don't call people because bad. because they are well turning their heads sideways at something that doesn't smell right or look right. And so that's my biggest thing is just be whatever fan you want, but grow up if you think that you're a bad fan for questioning things. Anyways, amen. And as someone who has been a fan as a young kid, a blogger for Twinkie Town, a credentialed person. Oh, you were Twinkie Town. I was a Twinkie Towner with Jesse Lund. Jesse Lund, man. Great guy. Big Jesse Lund fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, a credentialed person in a press box and now a season ticket holder. Okay, I have been all. F- I have been in the realm of all four of these things. And I have had lines and Now you're of just an anxious millennial cowboy. And now I, here I am, just this anxious kid trying to make my way as now an adult almost 30 years old and having had been having my toe in all four of those different waters. Yes, all of these areas can coexist. I think just the issue I take is, unfortunately, sometimes in the media, then it gets spun as, well, we're just like one of them. We're the exact same thing as them. And then the narrative right. is then spun in that regard. So then they think that's all the gospel. And I think what is so interesting to me is when other media people, Judd, or even Jim Suhan following up with Falvey on something to take that next step and say, hey, no, we're not just going to wait here and wait for a press release and wait for when the team announces something to announce it. You have to also then sometimes piss off the team. Like, yeah, it's a it's a hard line to walk sometimes, but that's your responsibility as a journalist to give the fans and your audience what they deserve. It's not crapping on your audience when they ask something that you don't agree with. And I understand you're going to get some really dumb questions sometimes. I get asked dumb things all the time. I get asked by my relatives all the time, hey, how's things going at KFAN? I don't know. You tell me. I don't work there. Like, it, it, the whole thing to me is very strange. And I, I think all of us can coexist, fans, bloggers, media people, season ticket holders. But the entire us against them narrative to me drives me insane. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I think, um, oh, I guess my, my final thought on on this is, <laughs> We all want the twins to do as well as possible. And they probably can't make a playoff run if their best player has chronic knee issues. And if the twins are trying to somehow keep that under the radar, then I think like, you know, that's what they tried to do with Joe Maurer. People got pissed at Joe. I, I'm actually shocked that they almost went down the same path or maybe are trying to Joe Maurer's reputation is less than what it would have been if they had been transparent about how much pain he played through on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. People think Joe Maurer is a wimp or a wuss or not tough because he sat out day games after night games. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes teams think, oh, we got to keep everything private. It's all this is these are government secrets and we need to keep things we you can't you can't let that information get out. Why? Why not? Why if you could go back and replay Joe Maurer's career, 
with more transparency. Hey, you guys think he, I brought this up yesterday, but you guys think he's a wuss and you guys think he's weak because he doesn't play day games after night games and he misses 25, 30 games a year. In actuality, here's how much pain he's in. A six foot five catcher that's been crouching his entire adult baseball life. It's wear and tear on his knees, his core, his hips. Like it's really, really hard for him to get ready for a game. And he still plays 130 of them and has a 400 on base percentage. People would, people would think, oh my God, like this guy is tough as nails, right? Right. But the way, but the, but the organization and Joe, like Joe had a say in this too. The organization is the one that's, wow, let's keep all this information private, right? Yeah. So I, some of that's still in my head with this Buxton stuff too. It's people, people think he's soft. Well, people think he's soft. If he's got a chronic knee problem, he's not soft. <laughs> no, and but that's the one thing that none of us have ever said about him. I don't recall ever saying. In fact, I've always said because I, I I think he's actually tough. Um, the one thing I don't want to be interpreted, and I feel like we're bordering on that. And I felt like Correa's comments pointed to this. Nobody's questioning Buxton's toughness. Like I didn't say, Byron, why didn't you want to play on Saturday? What's wrong with you? I said, how did it feel? To be so, so the insinuation is you were stuck there. How did that feel? Because that couldn't have felt great. Um, so yeah, if anyone's interpreting, I don't think I have read or heard one thing from a credible source that Byron Buxton is dogging it, that he's not trying to play, but it's a chronic problem and it's going to have to be dealt with and it's being dealt with. And that in and of itself is a story. Um, is it the right call to not pinch hit, hit him? late in a close game against a division rival um, before 22,000 fans who are all saying, what the hell is going on? I don't know. Certainly has to be questioned. The lack of wanting to question is, to me, what I don't understand. Because it doesn't mean you're being confrontational. It means you're you're saying, why aren't you playing? You're a hater if you if you aren't fully bought in blindly to everything that the teams are doing. It's like, when did we get there as not to make I, this a societal discussion, but like, say, when, when, has, when did we get there? Right. <laughs> let's go back well, to 2016. <laughs> well, okay. All right. All right, let's move on. That's a, Actually, you know what? Because we are kind of up against the clock here. We got a you know, judge trying to get out to Vikings camp. I'm going to save the pecking order I had for you guys for some time else. I know it's pecking order Tuesday, but we... No, we'll, uh, change the, we'll change the name. Okay. We'll just be... It'll just pecking be order Wednesday. Pecking order Friday. Wednesday tomorrow. Uh, before we peace out of here, a shout out to our friends at Dennis Kirk. So, yeah, summer months are finally here. Riding season through the fall here. And Dennis Kirk, who's been a partner of ours at SCORE, and we thank them for three years now. They've got you covered with 160,000 parts and accessories in stock for Harleys, Indians, Metric Cruisers, Sport Bikes, whatever whatever you have. Free shipping on orders over $89 and same-day shipping on orders placed before 8 p.m. Ride more, wait less at Dennis Kirk. Dot com. Mackie and Judd, Daily Minnesota Sports, Entertainment, Therapy, Speculation. See you guys. My name is Brian Tome. I'm not your average pastor, and this isn't your average podcast. Join me and millions of other listeners growing spiritual muscles far away from what your mother knows with her quilted Bible cover case. Search The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome wherever you listen to podcasts. People love choices. This holiday season, give choice gift cards. And let them choose their own gifts. It's genius. Available in stores and at giftcards.com. Buy now. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. 
and take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.